Welcome back and thanks so much for listening to another episode of Perfectly Imperfect. This is your host, Leslie Regalado, and you're listening to a show where we believe that being perfectly imperfect is okay. And actually, we believe it's pretty darn great. In hopes of serving you and others, I'll be sharing about all things life, all things that we might experience at one point in our lives, because although it might seem like we're sometimes all alone, especially during our toughest seasons, we're not. I'll also be having conversations with other perfectly imperfect humans whose stories might just inspire you to go out there and live the heck out of your life. That is my prayer for you today and every day. And like Dr. Sue said, be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Welcome everyone. Welcome back so much for pressing play again another episode of perfectly imperfect today we have a very special guest her name is marisol constanza welcome marisol how are you thank you i am so excited to be on this podcast with you i'm great i'm great uh, me too i'm super excited um okay so i just want everyone to kind of get to know you a little bit and then we're going to talk about the nonprofit organization that you started nine years ago so just share a little bit about you and then we'll talk about um aotk which is army of the kind sure um i am latina i'm puerto rican my parents are both puerto rican descent and I was born and raised in Humboldt Park. I am 38 years old. That is in Chicago, no. right? That's in Chicago for those people I that don't know. Chicago. Yes, <laughs> yes Chicago. Humboldt Park, Chicago. Awesome. And I come from a family of three sisters and a little brother. I have two children and I have been married for 13 years. And uh, I um, am a Christian. And so I attend New Life Covenant Church. And I live currently in the um, Dunning area by Edison and Harlem. And so I, I moved a little bit further away from Hobart Park, but uh, my heart is still there. Absolutely. Awesome. And you started this nonprofit organization nine years ago. What, how did this happen? Because I knew you many years ago and you know, we kind of lost contact. We've kept in touch via social, or at least I've kind of just been watching what you've you know, been doing um, since social became more, I guess, of a thing that we did, which was not nine years ago. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing how Army of the Kind came to be. Sure. Um, you know, looking back, as, as I look back now, I know that as a child, I had a very big heart for other kids uh, who were in need. I was a child in need, even though I was raised in Chicago in Humboldt Park. My parents uh, were really poor, and so I grew up on, on welfare, and we grew up with a lack of a lack of clothing, a lack of food in our home, a lack of um, sometimes light and you know heat. Especially, I'm, I'm thinking now that it's cold here in the winter. I remember days where we had no heat, and we had to keep <laughs> keep warm by just cuddling and blankets. And my parents were so poor, you know, they couldn't afford our bills, and so they did the best to provide. For us, they didn't have a, a lot of education and my dad didn't have a lot of work opportunities. And so I grew up in Chicago in poverty. Um, and so as I grew older, I kind of forgot about that. But I would always see these commercials on, on TV and the commercials would have these kids who were like dying of hunger. So they were worse off than what I was going through and they would have like their hands extended and there was this white guy with like a white beard and he would just say for a certain amount of day, 
you know, um, you can help this child. Do you remember, I remember those? I remember those commercials for sure. Yeah. I always wonder, is that true? You know, right. you're 10, 11 years old. I'm like, is that true? Like for that much money, you can give this child, uh, you know, hope always stood in the back of my, in my mind. And so in 2007, um, our church, I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip with our church to the Dominican Republic. And we went with a group of 60 people and, and Pastor Choco led the, the team. And when we got to the Dominican Republic, I had heard about the resorts there, you know, all these great things, people honeymoon there, but we went to go serve. And when we went to these villages, which bordered Haiti, I was in shock. That white man with the beard, I remembered him very well now because I was standing in front of kids that looked just like those children that I saw on TV. And I thought, wow, this is real. And I was about 24 years old. Mm. This is so real. This is, you've got to be kidding me. And suddenly you feel this, this shame, I think, as an American and as a person that you have more than what they have. You start feeling so guilty about like, wow, I throw food out and these kids are bones and these children have parasites because they don't have clean water. And, you know, and, and they're watching you drink the water from your bottle while you're on this mission trip with their mouth open, wishing they can have a, a swig, wishing they, can, they could take a drink, oh. you know, and it just impacted me that deeply. We were with medical doctors and every child was malnourished and every child had parasites and every child, you know, um, had something going on because of a lack of proper nutrition and clean water. And uh, I came back from that trip and my daughter was about two years old and my son, maybe six. And I remember walking into my apartment and just kissing the, the carpet on the floor and just thanking God for all that he had given us and talking to my children about, we're not going to throw any more food out. We're going to eat our leftovers and we're not going to buy too many groceries and let fruit rot. Mm. And we're going to be better. We're going to, we're going to get better at, at, at doing this. This is a start, but slowly but surely I just um, contacted the leader of that trip. And I said, I want to do more. How can I help? And she said, actually, we're starting a committee. And so I said, okay, great. I want to be part of this committee. And it kind of just started there just being part of the church's mission committee. (laughs) You know, and so that's where it began. So, However, so you, so you didn't have like this epiphany of I want to go back and I want to start this. It was just kind of like, what else can I do? At that moment, it was what else can I do? You know, I want to do more. Um, until in my heart, you know, sixty people went on this trip, and I remember speaking to the leader and saying, "Well, how many other people want to be a part of this?" She's like, "Well, not really anybody." And I'm thinking what? Oh, I'm the only one that was impacted by this. Like, right. Like, did know, we all see the same thing when we were out there? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking all these people, if all of us get together, do you know the impact we can make? It blew my mind. And here I am. I was shy. I was very introverted. I did not really have a lot of friends. You know, um, I was finding myself, I was at a point in my life too, where I was very lost at one point. Mm-hmm. So I was finding out who I was. And I think that through this experience, God revealed to me who I am. And I didn't get that then. I get that now. <laughs> of course. But, it uh, always happens later. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You start to, you know, I think if he shows you ahead of time what you're going to be doing, you'd be like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, because there's a lot of, I feel like in the process of growth, you know, this is why I've always heard, um, don't share like about what you're going through in the process, like wait till you've kind of gotten over that hill 
not because you don't want to share all the struggles, but because the place where you're at at that moment, it's not always the best. And you might not have the best advice or be able to have the best conversations. But then once you experience it and you watch yourself, it's almost like a transformation sometimes for some people that you see, okay, this, there was a purpose, you know, in those dark places, in the struggles, in the difficulty, you know, we don't see it, but then we kind of get to the other side of growth and it's like, wow, this is why. And so I can totally get it. Yes. That's so true. You know, and I, and I really feel that what we've gone through in our past, if we stay positive and if we, you know, we can use that to help catapult us to something further, like in the future, you know, it doesn't have to be like, I went through all these negative things in my life and oh my gosh, and you stay stuck there. Use that to say, well, I don't want other people to have to go through what I went through and kind of use it to help build yourself up and build others, you know, especially your children and and your family members, people around you so that they can see that you don't have to stay stuck in kind of a pity party because of what's happened to you. but kind of move it to to make you stronger and strengthen you for greater things that are out there for you that you would never have known because you're stuck in your pity party. So, you know, I think that, that once I came back, you know, it was difficult for me to be still because there was something that, that really touched my heart. And I thought I'm never, you know, I never knew that I was the type of person to do something about something until I saw something that I, I just said, I, I need to change. There has to be something that we're changing. And I was thinking, you know, there's all these organizations out there, you know, we have world vision that does a phenomenal job and we have compassion and we have all these people, but I went to a village where none of that help is there. So no matter how big um, organizations are or how much you're doing, there's always more need for more help. So we can't just say, Oh, they're taking care of it. And they're doing this because I've learned that through revelation comes responsibility. And, you know, it was revealed to me there was a need. And I said, now I'm responsible Mm -hmm. to this need. And so, you know, once, once we formed a little committee, I remember the leader, she was leaving. She decided she was going to go live back in El Salvador. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) what's happening? We just built a committee that you know, of like five people. And uh, she said, you know what, you have a heart. So why don't you go and talk to the pastor and and see, you know, if you can just keep helping with missions since I'm leaving. And she handed me a box with, it it had like three papers in it and a USB drive. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What do I do with this? You know? And she's like, just go talk to Pastor Choco and see what he's, you know, what, what he'd say. And when I sent him an email, I said, I didn't even know him. Like, I know him now. We're good friends now. But mm-hmm. I said, I, I, I really want to help more. He said, meet me in my office. Let's talk. And that's when it kind of started. And uh, I shared my heart. And he, he came alongside of me. Thank God. Leslie, thank God for people who come alongside of you because they see something beautiful in you. Yes. You know, that you don't see in yourself, right? Right. Well, especially at that moment, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you were young. I mean, 24 years old is still pretty young. You were a young mom of two children, you know, two and six. So I'm sure that, you know, that can be overwhelming, especially, you know, being a mom, regardless at any age, I think it's, it can be kind of crazy sometimes. But then you said, you know, you were still trying to figure out who you were. So in that, there was just a lot. So to have that someone that believes in you, that's willing to pour into you, like you said, it's willing to walk side by side with you that can somehow in a way mentor you 
that's it definitely is I think it's it's huge to have someone support you and believe in you I always I've always heard you know you will only go as far as the belief of those five people that are closest to you takes you yeah so yes it is absolutely important I agree yeah that's so true and I didn't know that that's what was happening (laughs) I just thought oh he's a cool pastor you know wants to get to know one of the sheep and you know and then uh I went on my second trip, you know, and uh, my second trip was so impacting as well, even more so than the first one. But that's when I felt that I knew that I knew. I feel like that trip was set up so that I would know this is the the where the path that God wants me to go and that I that I feel so called to go and so filled with joy and fear and all these things. But it felt great that I was in the right place at the right time, you know. And when I went after that trip, um, there was a, a baby and baby maybe was like maybe four months old. And we were in a village again, like a Haitian village in the Dominican Republic. And the doctor came and handed me the baby. And he said, yeah, this baby probably has a few more days. Um, yeah. And then he said, it's, it's going it to, it's not going to survive. And I was like, oh my gosh, why? They're like, he's like, you know, proper, the mom is malnourished and doesn't have even breast milk to give her baby because she's malnourished and so we can help. But the baby was born with diseases and the, the conditions that she lives in is not going to help the baby. She can't go to the hospital because they don't have um, health care or even a way to care. So the mom already kind of knows. So the mom was stone-faced, like knowing mm. that she was going to, and that was like, okay, if I don't do something, you know, if I don't do something like this can keep happening. And and then we return back to the United States to our happy homes and everybody forgets yeah. that this is happening on the other side of the world. But well, it's like I, out of sight, out of mind, you know, with anything. Yes, but I think yes. especially with this, because we are so far away from it, you know, and many people, like you said, we watch it on TV or we, you know, on Facebook, you know, social, there's like little bits of it but it has to be just amazing I mean amazing in a I'm not saying like in a wonderful way to be able to be there and experience it because just from hearing you I mean the impact you know that it had and that imprint that it made in your heart you know it doesn't happen over social it doesn't happen over a picture over tv it's yeah oh okay keep talking I'm sorry to interrupt (laughs) After that trip, um, I had major brain surgery and I thought there's no way I could do anything now because I I had a a disorder and and God healed me from that. And I felt like I was healed from that, which I mean, I'm not trying to play it like it was anything small. I was losing feeling in my arms and legs. I was losing my sight. I couldn't hear from my from my right ear. And I thought, God, but if you said that you were going to like use me for all these great things, Mm -hmm. what? what's happening now? Like, I don't understand, like, why did I feel that way? And now this is happening. And so really the, I had to go through uh, brain surgery. And after that, it was completely gone and it's never returned back. What I had was a disorder in my brain. And, uh, and I felt like he was setting me up for success at that point. I was like, okay, well, here we go. And after that, I thought there's no more time to waste because if my life was spared, then I better make it count. 
And I yeah. think that that's the moment in 20, 2009, 2010, where I said something's going to happen moving forward. I went to my pastor and I said, look, pastor, I know that we have missions under the church, but I really feel called to do something outside of the church. I want people who are believers, non-believers, anybody who would like to, you know, come alongside of, of us and the work that we're already doing and really reach more outside of the walls of the church, like reach more people and have organizations and churches and businesses all jump on board because this is huge. We're trying to eradicate poverty here. This is going to take more than just the, the church members, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he said, let me, let me pray about it for three days. And then I want to give you my blessing. If, if the door opens out, I'll, I'll give you my blessing. And so after three days, he came back to me and he said these words, he said, Marisol, you were called to this. And so you need to do it. And so get your name, um, get your vision and mission. And he continued to like mentor me. He went on a few more trips with me um, with his arm, you know, arm around me saying, Mari, you've got this. You can lead people. He showed me how to be a leader, how to speak up. Cause I was once again, shy, introverted. I was afraid, but I had a lot of skills that were great. I had a lot of great admin skills and I was, uh, you don't need to be a great, a great leader doesn't lead by fear. Um, you know, they lead with, with love, you know? And so he said, you have all these things, you can do this. And so that's when in 2011, uh, army of the kind was birthed. And the reason we call it army of the kind is because I learned throughout the years before that from 2007 to 2011, that all it takes is a kind deed to change the life of a person. And once we can do something kind for someone, you have their attention and you have you, they're wanting to come closer to you. So then, then you can start speaking to them about the love of God. And so I just felt like every time we would go out on these trips, we were like an army of kind people, just loving on people because that's really what God has called us to do. It's just to love on people where they're at, not to change them, not to lead them to Christ, none of that. But as people, we're to love God and love people of all kinds, you know? And yeah. so that's why we called it um, army of the kind and kind of just started with 25 kids from a village. I, I, I found sponsorship for these 25 kids and then 25 kids turned into 40 and people just kept wanting to come alongside of us. And we just started in one location, which is the Dominican Republic and the, the Dominican Republic was great. We, we, we built a nutrition site and, uh, things just kept growing. And then from the Dominican Republic, we jumped into Haiti because of the earthquake and all that was happening there and sponsored gifts from a special needs orphanage there and helped them as well with medical as well as nutrition and education. And then from there, we went to Peru, like, and all these places, God was really just leading us and putting people in our path that said, we need help. And then we would go out and kind of check it out. And we would come alongside of them. And now we have over 566 kids in five different countries. And we're just about to start, uh, launch something in Guatemala, um, this Sunday actually. So, yeah. (laughs) So from, you said 25. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To 566. In the beginning, I knew all their names. (laughs) it's a little hard to keep up but god knows their names so that's what's important absolutely absolutely and you know what and their lives are being impacted by 
by this organization, by you as or you know, as the founder. So yeah, the names, I mean, yes, are important, but you know what, what you're doing for them is much more important than knowing their names because whether you know them or not, you're still doing what you were called to do. And just listening to you and I mean the you know, I always think about the the power that our individual decision has and the fact that one person can make such a big difference. Cause I feel like sometimes, you know, there's someone that's listening right now and they have a desire to make a difference of some kind, you know, most of the time, you know, we make decisions or, or we have a calling based on what we've experienced, which is exactly what you had mentioned earlier. I spoke to someone before you and, you know, her organization is based on her experience as well. So it's usually, we kind of just look back at our past and like you said, it's not about, why or you know having a pity party but it's like how can I turn what I experience into something greater um, that can not only bless me because obviously you're being blessed tremendously I can only imagine if I'm talking to you you know a little bit before our the conversation currently yes you're being blessed tremendously but it's how can I turn around and how can this help someone else and let me not make it about me, but let me make it about someone else. And I just listening to that one calling that you listened to, because you could have very easily said, not right now, <laughs> you know, I'm only this older, I only have, you know, everything you mentioned that could have held you back that didn't, you could have very easily chosen for it to for you know for you to listen and hear all the excuses and hear all the reasons that were you know good ones i mean the fact that you know you experienced a brain surgery i mean that in itself but that you didn't see it as okay maybe i'm not meant to do this it's kind of like all right life is too dang short mm-hmm. and i could have easily you know been gone because brain surgery although you say it you know it kind of just rolls off your tongue because it can it is a tremendous big deal Mm-hmm. You know, what can happen when someone goes under the knife for brain surgery? You know, everything we experienced with my mom, you know, she had brain uh, cancer and she did pass away a couple of years ago. But after her first surgery, everything changed. Mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, who she was. My sister and I was just talking about it the other day that we you know we were unable to have a conversation with her after that time. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the fact that the brain, I mean, it's there's enough space in your brain for it to contain what is in there right now. Something goes in there that's not supposed to be in there. It can alter everything. So the fact that not only were you healed, but that what they did when they went in there, that it didn't cause anything more. Right. You know, I mean, just, and that you chose for that to be what kind of the switch that turned that on and said, you know what? No. I'm going to go ahead and do something about it. I mean, I'm just being inspired left and right here. So, whew, okay. All right. So 566 kids, five countries. Um, what is, like, do you have a bigger vision or are you kind of just going with it? Because it sounds like it's growing very quickly. Um, and it can be, I'm assuming, very overwhelming where it's kind of like, all right, God, like, you know, it's, it's in your hands, take over. You've already taken over anyways, kind of just let me go with it. Um, because I mean, it just, it sounds like wild how something can go from this one little decision of, I want to help, you know, even if it's one kid, two kids, 20 kids into multiplying, you know, the way it has. So for you, what, what is it that you see for AOTK and 
or, or do you, I mean, or, or are you kind of just going with it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, in the beginning, I think I was going with it <laughs> for, for the first couple of years, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. I didn't know what else to do, but as you continue to see now these children grow, grow up, you're thinking, okay, um, first we want them to be able to be educated about hygiene, about what to, you know, how to wash your hands properly, because, you know, these things are simple things that are killing them. They can't go to Walgreens and get a bottle of Tylenol when they have a fever because they have an infection or a virus, not like we can here. Right. Mm-hmm. So just teaching them those things. And so, but as I saw the kids develop, I also saw the team out there, the, the volunteers that helped this run out there in the different countries. And it was awesome to be able to develop them. And so became more of being able to pour now that like pastor poured onto me right and now it was like my turn to pour onto this other generation and and these leaders so that they can then feel empowered because a lot of times in these poor villages they don't have dreams or vision or anything so you're bringing them this project brings the whole community hope Mm -hmm. and so when I saw that I thought okay what more can we do not only to impact the child but to impact the community and so giving them things to do, creating um, sustainable projects for them to make income. So a lot of other things have came out of just uh, these nutrition sites and uh, the nutrition sites have impacted the whole fa- the family as a whole. And, and to give you an example, like now we have mission trip leaders because we go out to these countries, not just um, once one time, we go several times throughout the year. And so the young people that were once the 10 year olds that were eating at the center are now 19, you know, 19 or 20 years old. And when they, when our teams get there, these kids are now in university because their sponsor has decided to continue the sponsorship through the university. And so they are fluent in English. They have traveled to the United States um, to study abroad. They're, they never imagined in a million years that them living in a village would lead them to have a full scholarship to university, which Leslie, th- these scholarships for one kid to study and get a bachelor's degree, let's say, right? They don't call it that out there, but get a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. out there. It's about $3,600. Okay, here it's about $100,000. I was going to say that's it. <laughs> I was expecting you to say, yeah, like a bigger number. No, yeah, that's it. And so, you know, uh, because we're able to get them the sponsorship for that, they're studying and they go to school Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. They learn English and then they go to become a teacher, to become a nurse, um, an architect. Um, You know, they go for tourism. But at the same time, when our teams go, they're the ones leading our teams. So it's the most beautiful thing to watch that this kid who, and, and we have pictures like before and after like that had no hope and lived in a little shack, never thought they'd go to school, is now empowered. And so I think that that's the bigger vision is empowering them to become even greater. And I think in the future, what I would love to do is start a school, like a, a, a university or a trade school, so that they can learn things um, that normally they wouldn't be able to. A lot of them have to work to support their families, so it's hard for them to study, okay. but just be able to teach them a trade that would help them bring income for their families would be like the next step because, you know, as they grow up, uh, the reality is not all of them will want to study, although we push like education and they know that education is a way out of poverty. Um, the opportunities are always there for all of them, you know, and so that's the bigger, the bigger vision is to be able to do 
that and then we have some some of the kids from one country we have opportunities for them to go and do an internship in a different country so our kids from dr the dominican republic are able to go to peru to our nutrition site there and do an internship for like three months and they've never been out of their country or even their village you know so whoa and they don't need a visa so it, it you know to come here to the states they do but not to go from one country to the next, the countries that we serve in, you know, Peru, Haiti, Dominican Republic, Guatemala, and Burkina Faso, Africa. It's easy for them to obtain visas if they do need them. So, um, so that's just, I, I, I think that if my mind was opened by this one trip and I'm American, which means I have a lot more access to resources, right? We do here. Um, Imagine a kid that has no access getting on a plane for the first time. And experiencing a different culture and wow, their, their mind is just going to be blown away and their future is going to be brighter because they know that there's much more than what happens in their village, you know? Oh, it's, you know what, the, the one thing I keep on thinking is you're changing lives, but more than that, like this organization is saving so many lives of not only has it saved already, but just the impact, you know, it's having, like you said, on the child, on the family, on the community. Oh, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm just like wondering how in the world does this girl sleep with so much, so much that has to be in your heart. Like your heart has to be so full when you think of what that one seemingly small decision, you know, what it did or what it's doing and will continue to do it's oh yeah how how do you even rest because I'm sure your heart is like always going <laughs> you know I I say that people that join our team we have a hashtag we call it team no sleep <laughs> okay so you don't <laughs> wonderful that answers my question <laughs> but we do I've learned that rest is important and I think I've just learned that maybe in the past two years yeah. The first few years, I just wanted to keep going and keep going. And I involved my kids and they've gone with me on these mission trips. And they're like, we want to do more. And my husband, you know, everybody. And so it kind of became everything that we do. And it, it's, you know, I always say I don't separate my life from this. This is my life. This is our life. You know, we don't separate it. And so it, it's easy because it's, it's, it's always around us. And we really enjoy it as a family. And we don't, you know, skip a beat. And so, um, but rest is so important because you need time, that downtime to be able to think clearly and plan. There was a time, Leslie, keeping it real, that I felt so overwhelmed that I did want to quit. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. And I think the overwhelmingness came because I felt like I wasn't doing enough, Mm. you know, and that overwhelmed me. Um, two of our, I want to say now four, four of our kids in Haiti had passed away back to back to back. Oh, wow. And they were five years old, seven years old, 11 years old, you know, so they were little and they were special needs orphans. And I felt like I was going from business to business and place to place, trying to advocate for their needs and simple things. Like we just wanted to get one of the little girls off her wheelchair. And for that, it would just take a surgery that was like 1200, you know, like trying to advocate for their needs. And it felt like around that time, like no one was listening and nobody wanted to participate in helping. And then I felt 
am I doing enough? Am I going to the right places? Am I going to the right people? And what if I'm not enough? And that's the moment that I felt like I should just quit. You know, I, I don't know that I can do this or carry this heartache. And then, and then she died. The, one of the little girls died. And I thought it was because I didn't do enough. And it oh. was because I didn't act fast enough. You start feeling like guilty. Yeah. Um, you know, and so at that point, <laughs> I had a dream that, that around that time. And in the dream, uh, I was in the Dominican Republic where it all started. And one of the little boys from the orphanage that we sponsor came up to me and he said, Marisol, why are you leaving? And I said, I'm, I have to go. I have to go. He's like, please don't leave us. You know, and then I remember waking up from that dream and I'm thinking, okay, okay, okay. I can't leave. (laughs) You know, like I can't leave. It doesn't, it's, you know, I can't leave. She passed away and, and it was sad, but there's so many other kids that she would want me to go after. Right. You know, yeah, that's, you kind of have to snap out of it because it can, the workload and, um, you know, people coming and going and not taking it seriously at times, you can become disheartened, but at the end of the day, you don't do it for anybody else. You're doing it because you've been called to it and you're doing it because you love these children and you love God and, you know, he gives you the strength. And so, you know, having rest and having that relationship with God too helps tremendously uh, keep you grounded and having, like you said, Leslie, the circle of five people that you can go to that, you know, will um, help you, you know, with encouragement. And that's important having your, your circle. Yeah. You definitely have to make sure that you're feeding yourself because if you're not able to help because you're unhealthy, because you're, like you said, overwhelmed, you know, you have to take that time and, it goes back to, you know, I think it was the first episode or whenever it was that I shared, you know, taking care of yourself. And it's not so many people feel like it's such a selfish thing to do. And it's like, how in the world can you pour out of an empty cup? Like, you can't. So taking that time, yes, you have to rest, because if you're unhealthy, then this kind of just goes out the window. And it can't. It can't because there's so many people that are not depending on you necessarily, but depending on this organization to, you know, help them out. And yes, you might not be able to help the entire world all at one time, but man, does that one person or two people, or in this case, 566 kids appreciate the fact that, you know what, you worked through that moment of whether it was fear, whether it was the overwhelming sensation of just, you know, not being able to do more than what you were doing. I mean, they have to be so grateful and focusing on that, you know, it's almost like you can't focus on anything that's not working, but you have to focus on the fact that, you know, you are making a difference, even if it's in one person's life and that one person is worth you not giving up. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. So quick question. Um, I can't help but wonder, like with your family, because, you know, I have a husband, we've been married for 15 years, I have three kids and I'm like the impact especially at the beginning, because you were already married, you already had kids, you know, what was, were they always on board? You know, was there kind of a a pullback from, I mean, your kids were still small. So I guess from them, this is probably all they remember, but from like your husband or, or partner, what, what was it like? Cause I think anytime we start something new, it's kind of like, Whoa, like, wait up, yeah, you know, yeah. especially when it's something so so life-changing like this has been for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there in the beginning, um, 
my husband was not on board 100%. We were supposed to go on our first trip together and then he couldn't go because of work. And so I went by myself. Um, and so, you know, he wasn't on board because he thought it would, well, he knew it would require like some travel and the kids were so little, you know, and, you know, I, I think he wasn't under, he didn't understand because he didn't go with me on that first trip, like what I felt in my heart. Had he been on it, I think it would have been easier for him to like say, go for it, babe, you know, yeah. but um, so it was difficult. It was challenging more than anything. I didn't know how to manage my time. And I felt that I was putting all of my energy just on that, on the organization and trying to start it up and not really putting it on family and being present when I'm at home and not being on my computer and not being on the phone. You know, I was doing a lot of those things wrong. And so my husband became frustrated with me in the beginning. He's like, I don't know, you know, the, the, the house can't like fall apart and we can't fall apart if you're going to pursue this. And I just became kind of angry with him. I'm like, you don't understand. But I think that, you know, I had a revelation like, yeah, he's right. Your kids are little. They're like now four and eight or nine, you know, and, and they need you too. And so I started involving my kids in everything that I do. So if we were making care packages, my kids are like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, you know what? Come and help me. This is for so-and-so. And they actually started really enjoying that. Mm -hmm. And so it, it created the family time around those kind of things. And, um, and then in 2012, which is five years after everything started, my husband actually came on a trip. And when he came on the trip, we, we were with 60 people. Once again, it was the Dominican Republic. And he, one night in the hotel room, he said, babe, I cannot believe that you do all this. Mm -hmm. I can't believe this is you. Like I never even knew. And he apologized and said, I'm so sorry that I gave you a hard time. I will never, ever do that and he was like crying my husband doesn't cry ever, ever, Girl, ever. I'm over here trying, like, holding myself back yeah he just said I'm so sorry and I will never and he's like these kids like they need you you're like their mom you're like their family and I, I didn't get it is what he kept saying I didn't get it but I get it now and he said I'll never hold you back and so that was 2012 and he has kept his word after that he has never held me back but you know I also changed a lot of things that I did like before I go on a trip, I buy all the groceries for my home. I make sure the laundry or whatever I need to do is done. Even if I don't sleep before getting on that plane, because I don't want it to create a burden for my family that I'm gone. And I leave little, little lunch bags. Um, even till this day, I'll buy a card and I'll get my kids their favorite snacks. My kids are now 19 and 14. Oh my and goodness. I table and I'll put a note and I'll say, I love you, you know, to infinity um, and if I come back, I always say if, cause I always tell them it's never promised. Right. But if I come back, I can't wait to hug you. You know, I'll leave them little notes before I leave on every trip since then, since 20, probably since 2010. And so they now expect it, you know, like, Oh, mom's going to leave us <laughs> some snacks. <and> I know. <laughs> but I, it's a little thing is you have to change. You know, if you want to be, if you know that this is going to consume your world and it's going to become part of you, then make it part of you. And make sure that you are not dropping other things and dropping your marriage and dropping your relationship with your kids just to go help other kids. You know, right. I want to tell you, Leslie, my son, when he was maybe 12, he said, mom, I, we had gotten into like a little scuffle, like a little, you know, um, disagreement. And I think I raised my voice and I don't know, you know, parenting and, and disciplining your kids. Right. And he said, I bet you, you don't yell at those kids. 
Mm. The way, and you know, I looked at him and I said, you are absolutely right. I do, for whatever reason, find myself having more patience, more love, more gentleness with kids that I, that are not mine than with my own family. And that changed the way that I treated my children. So throughout the years, things will happen. Just be sensitive and be willing to listen to your family because they're the ones that are on board with you. They can either be on board or off board and you don't want, (laughs) you want their, you know, you want them to be partnered with you in it. And so you have to listen to their heart. Absolutely. When you don't want to change the lives of others, you know, while you are losing the people that got entrusted, you know, to you, which obviously in this case were your children and your husband, because first and foremost, I mean, they're, they're your first, first biggest blessing, but I love what you're saying in regards to paying attention and making those tweaks that, you know, those changes that you need to make and that you didn't just say, you know what, we'll deal with it, you know, figure it out. I'm making a difference. You know, you were humble enough to step, take a step back. And I think that's, you know, there, there's so much pride in the world. You know, we, we all have a bit or a lot of it and we have to just learn, you know, to listen to what people are saying, especially those that, you know, we claim to love so much, like our children, our husbands, siblings, et cetera, because they're not saying it just to say it, you know, there is so much emotion and truth behind their words. And I just, I admire the fact that you did listen, that you didn't just write it off, you know, as, as them being, Oh, he's, you know, your husband, Oh, he's just, he's just being a guy. He doesn't get it. Or, you know, Oh, they're just, they're just kids. Like, you know, you're not that because you could have very easily told your son, well, you know what? You're not going through a B, C and D like they are because he wasn't, you know, like, like we're talking about, we're very blessed to live in a country that we don't have to suffer for healthcare, for, for food, for shelter. I mean, yeah so it's very different but that you actually took the time to hear him out and that then you not only heard him but that you you made you know there was an action behind what you heard so that's to me that's impressive because I think it's very it's a very a thing that's very easy to do but it's also very easy not to do right you know so so I guess we can I it's getting a little late I don't want to take too much of your time but because I know you're extremely busy but I guess the last question or, or thing that I would kind of want you to, to, to talk about is for someone that's thinking about, you know, starting an organization where it involves, you know, it's going to involve a lot of their time, a lot of their, you know, their brain power. Um, what do you wish you would have known? And I, I didn't give you a heads up on this question because I literally just thought about it a few minutes ago. Um, so just kind of share whatever comes to mind. What do you wish you would have known? you know, nine years ago when, before you started um, Army of the Kind that you would want to kind of just share that advice with, with anyone else? I think that the most important part of when you want to start something, first of all, make sure that it makes you emotional, makes you cry. Like if you cry mm-hmm. about it, then it's probably something you're really wanting to do and, and really passionate about. And the, the second thing I would say is uh, seek wisdom and advice from those who are already doing something similar to what you're doing and tell them to be honest with you about the real and the raw things that you may experience so that you know what you're getting into, you know? And so if you're, for example, like for us, it's a nonprofit. So going to several nonprofits and saying, 
what did it take you to start or what happened? What were the steps for you or, you know, um, getting advice and seeking that kind of wisdom so that, you know, I would have probably learned how to do things a little bit easier, you know, how to just uh, a better guide, you know, for us with that, you know, and also seek um, legal counsel to make sure that you're doing things correctly and legally and it doesn't come back to like bite you and just creating a, a, on a notebook, everything that you desire to do and researching, just research. I mean, YouTube, Google, your best friends, researching and considering the cost, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Consider the cost immediately of what you're, what you're wanting to do and accomplish and seeing if you have the time, uh, the energy and the heart to do it because I was telling you earlier that passion will only take you so far. You have right. to have a full heart to do it. And if all the boxes check out, then you're ready to, to move forward. And, and it hasn't scared you. Let people scare you with the truth. Right. <laughs> that doesn't scare you away. If it makes you excited, if it makes you, you know, more curious, then go for it and don't overthink it. Cause you're going to talk yourself out of it. And I want to mention before we hang up, cause people can definitely get involved in this very simple way. You have mm-hmm. a, um, what do you call like a store? Yes, we have a resale shop. Um, it's a thrift store and it's in um, Humble Park. So by California, Wabanzia, that's the corner it's on. Okay. And here, if you want to donate clothing, accessories, shoes, women, men's and children's, um, we will take anything and we sell it so that we can help feed children. So it's like a shop to feed. And so if you, you know, you can't go on a mission trip, maybe you can't sponsor a child. That's another option, right? Um, but if you have things that you want to give, if you're cleaning your closet for this winter season and you ha- want to give away your, your things, please consider giving it to, a, it's called the Let's Change Resale Shop. And we named it Let's Change because we're trying to literally change the world. And so, um, you know, it's 1664 North California, that's the exact address. And look us up online and on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and give, just give so that these kids can live, you know, a, a better life. And so, yeah, that's a way that they can get involved. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I'll link um, with the episode details. I'll definitely link up, you know, the website where they can go and donate and learn a little bit more about, you know, Army of the Kind. Um, I'll put in there the address of the store and all that info because um, I think it's important. You know, it's such a simple thing that you can either donate, go buy something. You guys got some really cute things. I've been, you know, checking out online um, on social. You guys have some, you know, really cute things. So definitely, I mean, it's it's stuff that we can all, you know, we're buying it anyway. So why not have a double impact? And not only like we get blessed by the stuff that we're getting, but then obviously impacting, you know, even if it's a little bit for some, you know, some of the children. So thank you again, Marisol, for your time. I so appreciate you sharing everything. Oh my gosh, you guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Perfectly Imperfect. I hope you truly enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family. Make sure you rate the episode and the podcast and also make sure you leave a review. Thank you again so much for listening to Perfectly Imperfect.